Father. Wake up, Ma. Wake up. Get up, our, our fathers. fathers. Hear and feel our needs. An emergency alarm should go off in the minds and hearts. To all those who want to be called, Daddy, I need your strength. To all those who want to be called, Pops, I need your respect. To all those who want to be called, Big Brother, I need your courage. To all those who want to be called, Grandpa, I need your wisdom and legacy. To all those who want to be called, Father, we need your discipline. We need your unconditional love to guide us through our future, Father. Hear me when I'm frustrated and filled with anger, Father. Feed me sources of hope and understanding. Hear me when I say yes to good grades. And no to the evil temptations of the world. To you, the, the ones, ones we, we want to call, call Daddy, Pops, Big Brother, Grandpa, and Friends. Father, teach me. Show me the way. So whatever happens on the outside of us should not affect what goes on inside of us. Because my inner child of... Child of promise success depends on you, my father. Yes. Welcome back. That was a... Um, I think these two... That was from the Million Man March. I remember that. I remember those two, you, uh, two young men... Oh, oh, let me just share this with the audience. Yes, I, I did attend the Million Man March. Let me start there. I can't wait to tell uh, my memory, you know, of the march and, and how it impacted me. But um, as much, you know, I'd like to hear from you and also uh, get feedback from our guests. But here's another young man who was um, there on that day, and that's attorney Andre Grant. How are you, sir? Welcome to the show. Ernest, good morning, my brother. How are you? I am good. I'm good. I'm fired up, man. When I think about it, I get like chills. <laughs> like I'm gonna tell you what's scaring the hell out of me. That 25 years has passed. That's what's scaring me. I, I don't think about the number. Don't think about the number, man. Don't even. I, you know, I sort of say it, but I don't take it in when I say it. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I remember I remember it as vividly. It's one of the greatest moments of my life. I don't know how you felt about it. For sure. It was one of the absolutely yeah. greatest moments of my life. And some of the, the biggest things that I remember is the day that I left, I was in the airport, and all these black men that were in the airport. Yes. But I also, but yeah. I also remember when we returned from Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. and all the black men in the airport. I mean, this was like, <laughs> we couldn't stop hugging each other, man. We couldn't stop. <laughs> yeah. am, am I telling the truth? You're telling the truth. Yeah, like you're talking about humble. You're talking about humble black men. If you wanted to see the soul of a black man, like that was the day oh where goodness. black men showed their soul. Man, we knew we were going to change the world. We were going to change yeah. the world. We were different. We knew we was different. And the lies that are being told about the amount of people there, Washington D.C. was shut down completely. Yeah. I mean, and you when we were on that mall, forget the leaves on the trees. Black men were in the trees. I, I remember distinctly there wasn't a tree. We had to climb up in trees just to see. Yeah. There was, there was, this place was packed. And we have, to, we have to just absolutely tell the truth. Nobody else could have did that but Minister Farrakhan. Nobody else. We wouldn't have went but for the call of Minister Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. You they stu- created it. It was their impotence. I mean, we got to tell the truth where that is concerned. Let's go right to it because you stole my line. You stole my thunder. And it had to come out, and I'm glad we started early on in the show. And I was looking at a clip on the break 
of Minister Farrakhan. And I was thinking to myself, what what a waste it shall be of opportunity for us as a people, because for whatever reason, the powers that be refuse to acknowledge their reverence and the power of Minister Farrakhan. So rather than do that. You know, they would they would have us try to follow uh, many other, quote unquote, in my my words, false prophets. Right. Never being able to galvanize black men. But we had a man who could have brought us all together and he showed you. And we never we never embraced that going forward. In in addition to that, Ernest, (laughs) the other thing is that most of the prominent leaders who were involved at the at the end of it weren't involved in the beginning. Right. They weren't on board with this. This these were grassroots black men, uh uneducated, your working class black men who said, I'm going. Right. And then after a while this thing just started to avalanche. And they, I mean it grew and grew and grew and grew. And that's when prominent black leaders who had not necessarily been friends with Minister Farcon didn't like the platform of the Nation of Islam. They realized that this train is about to leave the station and it is tremendous. And then they jumped on board. So let's take a break. Let's go to traffic and weather. Let's stay right there because I think we need to acknowledge Minister Farrakhan and we all and, and dig a little deeper into that. Attorney Andre Grant is on the line with us. We'll be right back. The 25th anniversary of the Million Man March that took place October 16, 1995. Attorney Andre Grant was one of the million or more black men who attended on that day along with myself and um on the other side of the break he um he acknowledged uh minister lewis farrakhan farrakhan did something at the time that no other person could have done and i'll be even more specific and say no other black leader could have brought one million or more black men together then and i don't believe that there's a black leader now who could bring a million or more black men together today other than Minister Louis Farrakhan? Attorney Grant, welcome back. Thank you. I wouldn't, I, I don't disagree with you at all. And one of the uh, people were asking, well, what was the purpose? What, what did it do? What did it accomplish? First and foremost, the main purpose, the absolute main purpose for the Million Man March was simply to encourage black men to take a greater role in responsibility for ourselves, our families, and our community. I mean, would you not agree, Ernest? Yes. Yes. I mean, it it was as simple as that, to encourage black men to take a greater responsibility in in the leadership of our families and ourselves. And as was pointed out earlier, there were pledges that we made. Uh, There were oaths that we took. Um, and, and there was an understanding that this, this, the spirit of this day will mean nothing if we were not committed to work and struggle beyond that day. Yeah. Beyond that day. And a lot of us have done that. Yeah. How, how did it impact you? What changed? Well, I'll tell you, first of all, I was a, maybe, a, maybe two years out of law school when, when I went. So I was a very young lawyer. And one of my best friends who also went to law school with me was a guy named Ronnie Thaxton, attorney Ronnie Thaxton, and he was born and raised and lived in Washington, D.C. So the guys that I went to law school with who were not particularly conscious or activists, and some of them were just downright fools, if you, if I can be honest, but these non-conscious, some of these non-conscious brothers were calling around saying, we're going to the Million Man March. 
And I was kind of shocked because they weren't right. socially activists. Right. So we all met and we got on this plane and we ended up staying in his basement. And we stayed up half the night. But that morning when we went to walk to the mall and walked out of his house, we saw all of these men walking in the street. Now, we didn't have to ask them where they was going. We was all going to the same place. <laughs> but we walked yeah. almost, uh, we walked, We had to walk almost a mile to the Capitol right. because the, the traffic couldn't move. There was no, there was, it was blocked off. There was no cars. But when we got on the main thoroughfare, thoroughfare say like King Drive or Halsted or whatever it was, right. uh, I, I, I just could not believe all of these black men walking towards this one point. Yeah. That was the first thing. Uh, and then just the the love, the the camaraderie, the, the common sense of purpose, the uh, fearlessness, mm-hmm. the the kind of we we felt good and we felt bad. We didn't feel like victims, but we knew this was something special, right. and we knew that we would be different. And I remember even after there was no place to sit. You know, you either sat in the grass or you sat yeah. on the ground or you stood the whole time. Right. But and, and you know, Minister Farcon, that thing went on like four, five, six, seven hours, whatever <laughs> it was. But we didn't leave till it was over. And I distinctly recall after that was over, after the whole day. Now, of course, we want to go out now. We're young men. We want to go out. And I remember going to this club and there was a ruckus at the door. And somebody shouted out, no, man, it's the Million Man March. There ain't no fighting today. I, I remember that distinctively. I remember uh, no acts of violence. No. no acts of violence. And I remember the commitment. I got a big uh, poster with the pledge on it in my home. I just remember committing myself and rededicating myself to the fighting struggle for my people. And that's what we have to do today. It's not too late. Too late. That spirit of that movement is still there, and we need to recommit ourselves, remake that pledge, and do everything we can for the struggle and the liberation of our people in our community. Yeah. We recommit ourselves. Yeah, yeah. That was a calm. That was a calm in the air as well, and the um, the magnitude, if you will, of the strength of purpose and commitment. Um, from individual black men, but, uh, you know, sort of resonating as a result of the collective, you know, that's what I got. And it was a peace, you know, you just sort of, you know, that the calm, that was a peace that sort of uh, brushed over everything as well. And I think, I think we were all sort of all inspired, you know, by one another and by the, you know, the magnitude um, of the collective. Let's real. Yeah, go go ahead. ahead. No, no, go ahead. We got about a minute and a half. I remember being in the airport on the way back and the airport was packed. It was it was nobody in that in that airport but black men. And I remember not knowing these men, but hugging each other, exchanging numbers. We were going back to Houston if you wherever you were going. Yeah. And that commitment, that commitment to go back home and fight for our community and our families. Yeah. All right, brother. I much appreciate it. Uh you you um you just uh, sort of you just inspired me. Right. You brought back the memories. It's like I'm there all again. Uh, you know, um, again, I have a picture on my wall and um, in my office and in my home as I enter my bedroom. It's a shot of just black fists in the air. That's, that's right. That's it. That's that's it. And Ernest, black women were there, too. 
Yeah, yeah. Black women were there in large numbers. They we couldn't have did it. They helped put it on. We couldn't yeah, have did this did. without them. Yeah, and then the final thing is the olive branch that Minister Farrakhan extended to black leaders who were even who even opposed him. Right. He still he still had them on the stage. Right. He still worked with them. I mean, so that we cannot give enough credit to the Honorable Minister Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam for birthing this and for extending that olive branch to other leaders in our community who yep. had positions that was opposed to theirs. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Attorney Andre Grant, this is the WVOM Morning Show.